Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. If the offering you make is a sacrifice of well-being, if you you offer an animal of the herd, whether male or female, you shall offer one without blemish before the Lord. You shall lay your hand on the head of the offering and slaughter it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall dash the blood against all sides of the altar. You shall offer from the sacrifice of well-being as an offering by fire to the Lord, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is around the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the appendage of the liver, which he shall remove with the kidneys. And then Aaron's son shall turn these into smoke on the altar with the burnt offering that is on, on the wood, on the fire, as an offering by fire of pleasing odor to the Lord. And the flesh of your thanksgiving sacrifice of well-being shall be eaten on the day it is offered. You shall not leave any of it until morning. This is indeed the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This preacher named... Fred Craddock tells a story. And he went to Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York to preach while the minister was gone during the summer. And before Fred got there, he got a letter from a man named Steve Cecilino. And Steve sang in the choir, and he was in New York studying opera. And his note just said, Would you be willing to stay after church and have lunch with some of us and talk about the Christian life? And Fred sent him a note saying, I'd be glad to. So after church, here were these young people in their late teens, 20s, maybe some as old as 30, all of them in New York trying to make it on the stage or in music. They were at Juilliard School of Music and Opera or trying to form a rock band. And they went into the kitchen together and they fixed some soup and salad. And there were about 250 of them. They were in New York, away from home. They're not even supposed to be in church, but there they are, about 250 of them. And they asked Fred to stay with them, to talk about the Christian life. And they had a wonderful discussion, and Fred said to them, I'm really surprised to see you here today. You're away from home, you're trying to make it in New York, and this is the city, but you're here in church. And during the discussion, a young fellow stood up, and because Fred is a pastor, he had no problem singling him out. And after asking him where he was from, Fred said, What are you doing in New York? And the guy said, I'm trying to form a rock band. And Fred said, well, why are you here? And the man said, if you have a gift and forget the giver, all you really have is talent. And talent isn't everything. If you have a gift and you forget the giver, all you have left is talent and talent isn't everything. Today we're talking about an offering of well-being. It's an offering of thanksgiving, or it's called a peace offering. There aren't rules put onto it about when you need to make the offering. There isn't a bar for how well your life needs to be going in order to stop and make an offering of thanksgiving. But it's here. It's one of the five mandatory sacrifices. It's an offering that you make just because life has been so good. Which is weird to think about. Someone's life is going really well. 
They're over the moon. So what they do is they pause everything. They stop. And they take something they really treasure and they kill it and give it to God. Their life is going so well and their response is to step away from it, press pause, and make a sacrifice. That reaction runs against the grain. We know those moments where everything is right are so precious. They're gone as soon as we notice them. So our impulse is to lean into it, enjoy the moment as much as you can, take every picture you can, live in it as deeply as you can, enjoy those years with your child, your spouse, your friends, enjoy the vacation, enjoy the new toy, enjoy the summer break, enjoy them as much as you can while they last by filling your life with it. Our impulse isn't to press pause. It's to never press pause. We know those moments pass too fast. So we never press pause. But then something strange happens. Whenever I've taken a group on a mission trip to a foreign country, especially young people, they're shocked twice. First, they're shocked by the level of poverty people live with. No cars, no toys, no TVs, no running water, not enough food, one pair of clothes. But as they get over that first shock, they're shocked again when they realize somehow, despite all of this, many of these people are happy. And for a moment, on this trip, people press pause, and they look at the larger world, and they wonder, how are you happy? And then they come home, and they look at their lives and their opportunities, and almost to, almost everyone says, I'm so grateful for everything I have. I didn't realize how blessed I am. I had forgotten how blessed I am. I am so grateful. You see, that young man in New York was right. When you have a gift and you forget the giver, it stops being a gift. It becomes something else. And once it stops being a gift, we start to take it for granted. We suddenly deserve it. We need it. We expect it. And once we deserve it, once we expect it, we stop being grateful. It's just the way it should be. So this morning, I'm inviting you to wonder with me, how many gifts do you have that you've forgotten are gifts? How many things, how many opportunities, relationships, how many times have you heard the right words at just the right time in your life, had the right person there at just the right time? How many treasures surround us that we've forgotten our treasures? We live every day with gifts that we've forgotten our gifts. One Christmas, uh, I was with my extended family and we were opening gifts. I was maybe eight and I'd recently gotten a Nintendo 64. Anyone else in that age bracket? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise. Uh, it's a video game. It's a video game. Nintendo 64. It was awesome. I loved it. Uh, and as I was opening this gift from my aunt and uncle, it was a memory card for the Nintendo 64. And I didn't realize what it was at first. It was just this boring-looking box. And I stared in confusion at the plain box feeling like I had deserved something more fun than this. 
And I said, what is it? And my mom snapped, Brian. And I quickly thanked them and I hugged them. But the moment was there. My ingratitude on display. And as the day went on, we ate and we played. And I started thinking about how helpful this would be. uh, And I got excited about it. But as we were packing up to leave, I saw a scene that I won't forget. My aunt handing my mother the receipt, saying, if he wants to return it, that's fine. If he, does, if he doesn't like it, just go get him something he wants. And I used that memory card in the plain box for years, probably more than any other gift I got that Christmas, but I never used it without a sense of guilt because I had received the gift and forgotten the giver. So I could never just feel grateful. Our lives are full of gifts. We've forgotten our gifts. We deserve them. We expect them. We need them. So we hoard them. We, we protect them. We hide them. And treasures that once filled us with gratitude and amazement become as normal and boring as the furniture. Why? Because when you have a gift and forget the giver, it stops being a gift. It becomes something else. So God commands us to pause. When life is especially good, pause and set a day aside and make a sacrifice to God. Remember the giver of your gifts. Not just in your heart, not just a quiet moment with yourself. If you really want to remember, if you really want to be filled with gratitude, make a gesture. Because you did not get where you are alone. You got here by the grace of God. So remember the giver and give thanks. But this particular sacrifice, the peace offering, is unique. Amongst all five sacrifices, it's the only one that's shared by you by God, and by the community. When you make this sacrifice, you offer it to God, but the priest doesn't burn the whole thing to ash. The priest barbecues it. He cooks it perfectly, and then you invite your friends and your family to sit with you, and you eat, and together you share your joy at what God has done. You share your joy at the gifts God has given you. And not just your family and friends, but you'd invite the least fortunate around you. Those who especially need a reminder that God is still good. So you invite them into your joy. In this feast, it reminds them to hope. Because God is working in the world, not in some general way out there. You're saying, I have seen God working in my life right here. This feast, this sacrifice, it's designed so we don't hide our joy from the world, we share it. Because when you share sorrows, they shrink. But when you share joy, it grows. So the community comes together and shares a meal, rejoicing in what God has done for this person who we love. And that moment, that celebration of gratitude, it reopens our eyes to the treasures that we were treating like furniture. Not just for this person who's throwing the party, but for 
everyone who shares in the feast. For the guests, it reminds us to look again at everything in my life. Where is God working? What has God given me that I have forgotten is a gift? And then in that moment, to thank God. Because gratitude doesn't begin with receiving something new. It begins with saying thanks for what we already have. Today is the first Sunday of the month, which means it's Communion Sunday. And one of the oldest names for Communion for the Lord's Supper is Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving. One of the oldest names for when we gather around this table, it just means Thanksgiving, which is exactly what the peace offering is about. Thanksgiving. It describes what Jesus did as he lifted the bread and he broke it like his body would be broken and he took the cup and he poured it like his life would be poured out. He gave thanks to God. Jesus gave thanks to God for this gift, which was the gift of his life. And then he offered the cup and the bread to his friends and they had a feast. They ate and they drank and they shared together in his joy and his joy His joy was that his body would be a sacrifice for the salvation of the world. His joy was that his blood would pay the price for our sins. His joy was that somehow through his death and resurrection, our relationship with God would be made right, and our relationship with each other would be made right, and our relationship with ourselves would be made right. So Jesus gave thanks for this joy. Sometimes the gift at this table ceases to be a gift. Like the furniture, we take it for granted. We don't thank the chair when we sit on it, and we don't thank God for his forgiveness. But it was a gift. It was a choice God made. It cost Jesus his life, and it is a gift. Communion, the Lord's Supper, is called Eucharist, and it means thanksgiving. Because at this table, Jesus gave thanks for the gifts he had received, and following Levitical law, he offered a sacrifice, and the sacrifice was his own body. And following Levitical law, he invited his friends to feast on the sacrifice to eat his body and drink the cup of salvation. And following Levitical law, he invited the lost and the least to join the feast, which is good news because that's us. He invited us to join the feast and be reminded that God is good and he is working in the world. Not out there somewhere, but right here at this table. So this is the church's feast of thanksgiving. We gather here with gratitude to proclaim what Christ has done, to proclaim the amazing gift that God has given us, and to remember with joy and with gratitude everything else God is doing in our midst. So this morning, pause and remember the gifts that have ceased to be gifts. And pause and remember above all this gift that too often ceases to be a gift.
that today we will join together at Christ's table of thanksgiving. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we simply ask that you would open our eyes again to the many blessings that surround us, to the gifts we have, to the things we don't deserve, and that you would renew within us a spirit of gratitude. And that as we find this joy again, as we find this gratitude again, we would refuse to hide it, we would refuse to keep it to ourselves, but we would share it that we might become a community of thanksgiving, a community defined by gratitude. Lord, we know this is possible because of the power of your Son, who gave thanks even in the face of death. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.